Well, if you hadn't figured it out, it's Grad Sunday. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> it's, um, it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite days, and also, it's kind of weird. It's one of my highest days. It's one of my lowest days all at the same time. Why? Because we do relationship with these people. And uh, that relationship takes on a different look and a different feel and a different meaning from here on out. And it's hard to say, it's not like always a full goodbye either, but it, it, it's hard to say, hey, go do, go do you <laughs> in the world. This is exactly what we, we all were praying and hoping for. And then the day comes and goes, I don't think we understood what we were praying. <laughs> like this is, shoot, <laughs> we love you guys. So uh, seniors, we love you. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to say second, wait, Amy, was saying in regards to offering, thank you for giving, because it's, we really are able to bless them and do things like this that are actually really meaningful for the seniors. Our graduates last year um, have given us some feedback about how important and how significant these moments are for them. So thanks for being a part of that family. All right. The great object for which we are living will determine everything else and explain many things which otherwise might seem inexplicable. If you don't know who this is, that's A.B. Simpson. His name's right there on the screen. But A.B. Simpson is our, our founding father of our movement, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, you're going to hear from him a little bit off and on this morning um, because he's got a lot of really good things to say. Plus, I've been knee-deep in books that he's written um, working on ordination. So, so buckle up. You get to know A.B. Simpson and his heart a little bit better this morning, but uh, we're, I'm excited to, to let you in on a little bit of his heart. But isn't this true? That, that these great objects that we're living for really do determine our life. They determine everything else. And I have three pictures on the screen here. Money, kids, belief. Where am I going with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. Money, if it becomes the great object for which we live, we're in trouble. It leaves us with an insatiable appetite that never gets fed and leads to compromise, inconsistency in our character and ethics, let alone all the things that it does in our relationship with God. But how about this one? Kids alone, if they become the great object of our life for which we live we're going to be in trouble because there will be a lack of purpose when they reach the level of independence. And that sometimes, as I'm finding, comes a lot quicker than you think. And the last one, belief, doctrines, or that's a big fancy word for, for teaching, lessons, principles. But our religious principles and teachings, if we live just for those, if those are the object of our life, for which we live, it leaves us, and I know this firsthand, 
it leaves us abandoning God's call in our life. And believe it or not, it leaves us abandoning the relationships that we have around us and in our community. I hope that none of you have to experience that. I've done enough for all of us. That was the problem with the Pharisees. And, I'm sa- and am I saying with all of these things, money, kids, beliefs, or fill in the blank for you, whatever that is, that they're not important? Of course not. Kids, I love you. But I am saying the object of our affection, the great object of our affection and life, the thing that we get up in the morning for must be more than any of those things. It has to be. So graduates, really quick for you, I want you to do something, a little exercise here. You won't go at it solo, I promise. But I want you to take a moment, think into your future, okay? It doesn't have to be very far into your future, all right? Just take a, take a look into your future and start visioning your dreams, your desires. And for the rest of you, you can do the same thing. Go a year out, go five years out, your 10-year plan, whatever it is, take a moment right now and just do that. And literally, I mean it. Take a moment and just do it. I don't know what you just saw. Hopefully really amazing things. But I need you to listen to me. No matter what you do or don't have planned, it won't be worth as much as your relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't. Jesus keeps everything in perspective for us. He helps you realize your worth doesn't change because of the amount of money or success you have or you don't have. It's been one I've been having to learn this stage in my life. You being loved isn't determined by how, how many people know your face or your name, or how many likes or comments you get on social media. And if you think I'm just talking to the graduates or young people in here, come on. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) It wasn't just for them, it was for all of us listening, right? Because we're all tempted to chase only things that Jesus can secure. So I said A.B. Simpson's going to be with us this morning, and A.B. Simpson emphasized some practices that I think are crucial to a Christ-like life. And you might be wondering in here, what does Christ-like life mean? Well, again, I'm glad you asked. You guys are a really inquisitive group this morning. Great job. In the first century, society, and key is society, gave followers of Jesus, a couple labels to recognize them by. You ready for this? 
They're actually recorded in scripture, Acts 24, 14. Now, Paul is literally standing before government officials in this moment in his life. And he's having a conversation about his faith and his relationship with Jesus. And this is what he says. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. What a powerful label. I actually, this is my favorite label that people who follow Jesus get. I, I don't have a great explanation for that, but it is true. They recognize that Jesus' teachings, and I say they, meaning society, recognize that Jesus' teachings and practices were a fulfilling way to live life or a noticeable way to live life. Jesus claimed to be this way in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the heavenly Father except through me. And for those who chose to follow Jesus the way, his way, they got labeled as a sect, as the followers of the way. It's pretty simple and basic, but I love it because, again, there's just so much implied in it. There's a lifestyle there. The other one, Acts 11.26, followers were called Christians, and it's really simple. It says, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So there's a couple different labels they get. They're seen as sects, and, sects and, and groups. And uh, to be like Jesus, who was recognized as the Christ, Messiah, Redeemer. Actually, Pastor Andrew has kind of touched on that over the last couple weeks in this month. And, and so we won't go into all of that. But that's what it means to be Christ-like. It means to associate yourself with the Christ, a.k.a. Jesus of Nazareth, in his way, the way. And a Christ-like life is what we call a deeper life, especially in this family. And, and it's something that A.B. Simpson alludes to. I don't know why he decided to rephrase it, but, but he did. It was a thing. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 actually says it this way. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Did you catch that? Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. If you... If you're still catching up, we just answered the question, what is a Christ-like life? What does that mean? It's someone who is following the way, following the Jesus, the Christ, that has changed the world. And today, we're going to look at seven, and you're like, seven? Yeah, hang in there. Some of them are going to go really fast. Seven keys or important things to this Christ-like life, this deeper life, this life worthy of the gospel of Jesus we're going to do a quick overview of them, and so buckle up, because if you believe Jesus, you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you consider yourself and call yourself and fall under the label of Christian, these should be identifying markers for you. Want it. 
That's my own way of phrasing it. A deeper life or, or this life worthy of the gospel. You, you want this continual closeness with God. Jesus' love and receiving that. The Bible, reading, understanding, applying what it says to your own life. Holy Spirit, discipleship, accepting that we, you, are different from the world around you if you follow Jesus. And everyone's favorite, suffering. When we begin... <laughs> I, I have been nervous about ending a message talking about suffering, just so you know where we're going today. <laughs> but when we begin to journey into a life worthy of the gospel, here's a couple things that come out of this. If we, if we get, in, get into it and get messy. Are you ready? Our identity becomes clear. Our purpose becomes known. Our worth becomes secure. And our direction becomes unrestricted or unhindered. I don't think it all comes at once either, so take a deep breath. But if you have put faith in Jesus... This is what you have to look forward to. You have access to heaven and all the things that are there at your disposal in this life. And when to come, you have residency, the proper paperwork, and all things in heaven. Sorry, guys. Is, this, is there anything I can do? We okay? All right. You are encouraged to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus, if you hadn't gotten that up to this point. And I mentioned that there are seven, and we just read the list, but let's get into the first one. Want it. Lovely beach picture. Most that I have run into want this, all right? But hopefully we want Jesus just as much. And, and this brings a lot of calm and a lot, of, a lot of good vibes and feelings and thoughts when I look at a picture like this or I'm in a place like this. But here's what I've, I've learned. Jesus does a lot of the same things for me and more. And so I thought, how, how can we do this? And we put this up. But A.B. Simpson said, and he gets credit for this, the secret of a Christ-like life lies partly in a deep longing for it. Smart man. There must be some desire, some longing, some craving, some motivation for us to know Jesus. That's where some of this really starts. To know him like a best friend, to be interested in the things he's interested in, to remember the things he's telling you in conversation. And then maybe, if that's what he said to do, do it. Jesus' love. I told you some of these were going to be quick. This one, there's not much to say. Receive it. For some of us, it takes a number of years of knowing Jesus to get there. Some of us, it's right away. But at the end of the day, for all Christ-like life, living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, we have to get to this place where we receive his love. Not just knowledge of it, okay? This was my, my thing. Not just knowledge, but 
literally experiencing what it's like to be loved by the God of the universe. The one who created all good things that you see on this planet. Made a way for the air that we breathe to fill our lungs. For tears to run down our face when we're celebrating graduates. He loves you. And there is a tangible way to experience that. So we need to receive it. Number three, the Bible. And Justin, if I could have you come on up, buddy. I'm going to explain something about that here in a second. But the Bible. You can turn that on. And just give me a second. Justin's a little nervous. So am I. But all, in all the, good re, uh, all the good feels, he doesn't know the questions I'm about to ask him. There's a reason for that. When putting him completely on the spot. So be gracious with him okay, this morning. But it's good. And be gracious with yourself. You'll do great. But here's the thing about the Bible. We spent a lot of time, a lot of time doing an overview in the fall and and then following that up with teaching our family here about inductive Bible study, ways to to get our hands dirty and our minds minds into the grit of, of the scriptures to understand them. We didn't do that for kicks and giggles or because we call ourselves Christian, it's because it's an essential part of all of our lives. So Justin, is there a favorite verse and do you know it? Oh, that you okay. have? That's, that's the question, isn't it? It is, it's one of them. I, okay, that's hard. Um, I'm gonna go with John sixteen thirty three. So the quote part of it, just in this world, you will go through tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That's the ending half. And I think that's the, the half that really reflects off of me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. All right. It's doing good so far. All right. <laughs> um, what are a couple things that you did in your life during the pandemic and kind of just following? I know life sped up a little bit after that, but what were some of the things that you spent some of your time doing in regards to your relationship with Jesus? That's another good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, aside I try from, and have a few of those. From uh, not getting a haircut for like a year, um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say it was like kind of a transition into a lot of um, online social media type things. And I think that made it so much easier to connect with people um, about the word of God. And that's something I always like had a hard time doing was actually going out and sharing that. But I think through virtual means, it just provided a way to do that. So, yeah. 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 Were you, would you say you were studying the Bible during that time too? I think more than ever, to be honest. I think I needed it more than ever. Um, that's, I think, a blessing in disguise, I'd say, because that really just gave me a free time to just sit down and focus. Cool. He's off the hot seat. So can you guys give him a hand? That's it. Yeah, that's, it. that's it. Good job, buddy. There's a good working, trusting relationship between us that I could do that. I would not do that with everybody, just so you know. But 
Did you notice that it took him a second because he had to process the question just like I would have, but he had a verse and he quoted it. You don't magically do that, okay? You, I don't walk into the gym and magically bench press 200 pounds. I couldn't do that right now, full disclosure. But I, but I, I don't magically go in and do that. It just doesn't happen. There's a lot of hard work that's put in. There's a lot of hard work that Justin put in and an investment he's put into his relationship with God. I know because during that season, there was a lot of conversation we were having. He was giving me plenty of questions about, about life, the scriptures, uh, and this gospel life that we're talking about this morning. So I wanted to just show you, that was all off the cuff. There was literally no prep for him other than, hey, would you mind coming up on stage and let me ask you a couple questions? That's what's internal inside him. And I think there's many of you in here, if I brought you up, we could do the same thing. Because you've put in the time reading your Bible, getting familiar with it, with Jesus. And this is the results of it. You on the spot can respond, regurgitate all, the, all, the, all that the Holy Spirit is packed in there in your life. All right, moving on from the Bible. All right. Holy Spirit. This one may be the shortest of all of them. If you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, go check our previous uh, message. Andrew did a great job. So there you go. Uh, Or ask him about it. And there is a list of moments in the last couple months where we've talked about the Holy Spirit. So pick really any message um, over these last few weeks. And so there you go. Discipleship is number five. This part of the life worthy of the gospel is a a genuine lifestyle. I mean, they all are, but this, it comes out in this moment. When we know how incredible our God is, we will feel compelled to introduce other people to him. Think about that for a minute. That's probably true in so many of your lives. You're like, at some point, I just got to tell somebody. And then we encourage them to live a life worthy of the gospel as we are doing the same, we are learning and receiving that encouragement too. Real discipleship is this, that we help people get introduced to Jesus and we help him get to know, we help them get to know him. And we don't abandon them in that process. We don't just go, here's a nice tidbit. Good luck with that. Have a happy life. No, we, we grind it out. And there's a lot of you in here that know what I'm talking about. The highs and the lows of people's lives. Accepting that we, you, are different from the world around you. And here, I wanted to say this, that we're not just talking morals. But it's things that almost go into a different category than morals. It's like these holy principles that God infuses into our very soul, our very being. And this doesn't mean that we disengage or isolate. This is my one moment of, as a pastor, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, it is. It. I in the 90s, came to meet Jesus, gave my life to the Lord. Haven't looked back since. It's awesome. 
have had some rocky moments. But I remember when I was just getting to know him and figure this thing out called Christianity. I actually heard people talk about disengaging and isolating from the world and the community because, you know, they're not like us or we're different than them. And for a while, it stuck with me. I actually went, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I, I don't have to. They've just got to figure out Jesus. If they show up on a Sunday, that, that's cool, but that's on them. It's the exact opposite of what Jesus died for. He's, it's not mine, okay? It's not my phone. But here's the thing. Jesus did the exact opposite too. He engaged, not isolate. He had some people, more than a few, disagree with him. Argue with him. Ultimately make plans to shut him up. And you know what he did? He keeps showing up in public. He kept, he kept talking. He kept sharing. He kept showing the way. And as a Christ-like person, we have automatically signed up for that same responsibility, that same job, that same, same lifestyle. But I want you to notice something as we've been talking about these, these points this morning. Notice where this falls. It comes after receiving Jesus' love, after the Bible, after the Holy Spirit, after discipleship, so that you can do this work. And lastly, suffering. Caden, why don't you come on up, buddy? This is his favorite thing. <laughs> I'm going to read a verse really quick, and then I'm going to give you the give you the mic on the floor. All right, First Peter. 412 through 13 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, and inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The reason I invited Caden up here this morning is because Caden has experienced these verses. <laughs> True, huh? Yeah. And he has a story to tell. And, uh, and we're going to see how we do getting through this. But do you feel like you want me to ask you a question? Or you want to just roll right through sharing a little bit about some of, the, some of the pain and suffering you've been through for the last couple of years? I think I, think I just want to uh, roll through for Let's now. Go. I also have a verse that yeah. kind of sticks with me, so I wanted to, to read that out. So Go we have uh, Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not, not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So I didn't actually plan on saying that verse. It kind of was just, it, it popped in my head while I was sitting down. And um, I think it 
helps describe my entire situation pretty well because um, I've been through quite a lot in the past few years and all of it was necessary for my growth. Um, I've grown up in a Christian family and I've always hung out with Christian friends, my best friends, they're amazing Christian men. But making my faith my own was always the hardest part. And I was never able to do that because I thought that I could control my own life. And I tried to take things into my own hands and that's exactly when everything went downhill for me because <laughs> newsflash, you can't do that. We all need God. <laughs> and um, so in my sophomore year of high school, I started running cross country. And um, about six months in, I tore some cartilage in my hip. And I got injured for going on three years now. It took me two years to get surgery. And I probably had 10 doctors tell me that they did not have a solution. And um, I tried so hard to find that solution and I wasn't looking towards God for it. And I, that was my biggest problem. <laughs> I realized that, well, I wanted a solution. I wanted a quick solution. Um, must have been like a year and a half ago, but uh, um, Mike Wadlow, he came and he talked at our youth group and he was talking about healing. And I remember my buddy Hunter about a week before, he came for two weeks straight and I wasn't there the first week. He came over and he was like, Mike just healed someone's leg. And he was like, I just want to pray for you. I want, I want to see if we can heal you. So in my mind, I had this selfishness, and I was like, if, if someone else can be healed, then surely I can. And I went the next week, and we prayed, and nothing happened. And so, from my perspective then, I was just like, oh, well, I guess God likes to heal some, but not others. And I was angry because I feel like I've been through a lot of suffering, and like, I almost convinced myself that I deserved to be healed. But um, that was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it caused me to develop this hunger to grow in my faith. And um, every single day I've tried to get closer and closer to God. And <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I'm standing up here and I'm not healed. I'm not completely healed yet. God is working with me, but um, it doesn't matter anymore, if I'm being honest, because I found Jesus. <laughs> and um, God is going to work through suffering in our lives. And every single one of us, we all have our thing that we struggle with. But I just encourage you all to look at God, look for Jesus, because he is the ultimate answer, no matter what. 
and I wouldn't be here today without him. Yeah. Don't go anywhere yet. So we're just going to quickly pray for him because God tells us to ask. And uh, if the work's not done yet, then neither is our prayers. All right. So God, thank you for Caden. Thank you for uh, what you gave him to share this morning. Thank you for you. You know way better than we do about suffering and what it can produce in our lives. It created a hunger for him, a longing that he couldn't deny. So he went looking and he found you. And you were there the whole time just waiting. You've been kind, loving, and gracious. We know that that will continue to be his story and his life. And Father, we come and we ask you right now. You told us that there can be healing and there is healing through Jesus, through his wounds, through his sacrifice for us all uh, before the cross to the cross. And so we're claiming that right now. And we're saying, heal him. We're coming to you and asking for this grace to fall on his body that you give him complete restoration, healing of all things near his hips, his legs, his back. And there would be no more pain in this body in Jesus' name. So we thank you ahead of time, God, for the healing that you've already done in his life and his heart and the healing you're going to continue to do. Amen. Love you, buddy. Great job, man. You crushed it. And I don't need to say much after that, which has all been part of the plan. So prayer team, if you guys could come forward, that'd be great. Suffering doesn't have to be a bad thing. I'm just going to be really honest. Here's the youth pastor in me. It sucks. No way around it. Some suffering is physical. Some of it's mental, emotional. And there's a different kind of suffering I'm just going to allude to really quick, and it's this. It's sometimes because you are Christ-like. Hey, lady. (laughs) Because you are living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus, and you're different, there is... We'll just keep going. (laughs) This is the test. This is the test. I do want you to hear this. Because you are different, sometimes you may suffer unjustly at the hands of somebody else. Yeah, I can. I will say it one more time for you. Because you are living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus, because you are Christ-like, you may experience suffering unjustly at the hands of another. I haven't had it in a, in a um, physical sense, but a rep- reputation sense. It took many years to win that person over. I didn't actually think that it would happen. But God knows better than I do. That's why he tells us to be prepared for suffering. We can. And we will go through it. And God will show up. And he will strengthen you. And he will change your life. And so... 
Awesome job, Caden. Way to go. Justin, same for you too, buddy. So here's the one thing to leave you with, and it's this. Think about which one of these seven things that needs some attention in your life and start praying about it. Start going to the Lord about it and with it. And then tighten up your belt. <laughs> Put the seatbelt on because uh, he's going to take you for a ride. So God, thank you so much for instruction for us. Thank you so much for some simple, practical, practical, attainable ways to be like you. We got to want it. We got to receive your love. We got to get into the Bible. Holy Spirit, we got to let you speak and work. We got to get around our people and in a community that helps us grow. We've got to admit that we are a little different than everybody else. And God, we will suffer. You've guaranteed us that one way or the other. May we trust you and walk with you all the days of our life as we experience all those things. And may you, God, remind us and give us confidence. Give us confidence that as we see these things and have these experiences in our life, we're walking the way. We're following you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you guys next week.